This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Everybody ought to be pre-marked where? Ezra chapter 7. We are a teaching ministry. So you know and whether it's myself or any of the other ministers, if they're teaching on a series, you should already be pre-marked there. Because a teaching ministry is explaining. And so because of that, we, go, we, we walk through and we connect the knowledge so that we can be fluent in whatever God is teaching us. Amen. At this particular time in this ministry, God is teaching us how it, He's got us in an in a area of preparation. It's time for us to be prepared for the next move of God, for what He's about to do, what He's doing already in our midst. And because of this, then we need to make sure that while we're in this preparation time, that we're being prepared, that we understand what's going on, and that we take the time and let God walk us through. That's why you should go back. You should listen to everything from the beginning to the end. Connect the knowledge and see all that God has said. Because at the end of it, it'll show you a whole picture of what God wants. Then he'll, under, he'll, he'll let you know when you are prepared. And then he'll move in your life for whatever he's doing. Amen. Now in the book of Ezra, <clears throat> we see here. That Ezra is being, being sent back to Jerusalem to restore worship and the temple. At the same time, we also see that Nehemiah is also being sent to build back the walls in Jerusalem that have been torn down and the, and, and the whole city was in ruin. But God, let me tell you, that's, God works to, through whom He wants to, however many people He wants to. You just make sure the assignment that He gave you, that you're on it. Yeah, and that's how you stay in your lane. I'm going to tell you, Ezra wasn't in Nehemiah's lane. Nehemiah wasn't in Ezra's lane. Nehemiah didn't say, ooh, well, he got the best part. He's going to be the temper. Or Ezra didn't say, oh, well, I would like to do this, that, and other. Whatever God calls you to do, it's important. Whether it looks important to people or not doesn't matter. Whatever God calls If God said, you know what, for a year I want you to clean the toilet, it's for a purpose. And it, whether I don't care what people see, God is always working things out in your life. You get, but as long as you try to filter it through what people think, you'll never be used by God. Because God is doing things His way, not on your timing and the way that you want it, but how He does it. Amen? And so here in verse 10, uh, I mean, here in verse 6, is where we, what our foundation where I just love and I just keep saying, I'll be at home laying across the bed and I just keep reading that, I keep going back to that scripture, back to that scripture because that, that one scripture just does something for me. In verse 6 it says, This Ezra went up from Babylon and he was already scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord, his God, upon him. And we see that Ezra was a ready scribe. And then we jump down to verse 10, and it show, tells us how he became a ready scribe. It said, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do, and to do it, and to teach it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. So we understand why he was a ready scribe. He, I mean, I, 
when you, whenever you're going to be ready for what God is going to do, you're going to have to put your heart in the right place. You're going to have, not your, not your pro- proclamation, not your mind, but your heart in the right place. Amen. And we have learned over these weeks that God always, everybody say always, before God moves, there is a time of preparation. And you know, other, you, uh, you, I often hear Christians say, oh, I want God to do this in my life. I want God to do that in my life. But listen, before God moves, there's a time of preparation. I know you want him to use you big. But there's still a time of preparation. God always, always prepares before he moves. Are you with me? We said that preparation is the unseen work that produces seen results. And that we as a church, we must do, we must do, we must do the unseen work to prepare our hearts for what God has next. We must do the unseen. I will not keep, not, I will say this until the end of this series, probably to the end of this year and next year. We must do unseen work and be okay with it. Amen. So our intentions in this teaching is to challenge our heart condition. Church, it is our hearts. If our hearts are not prepared, I'm telling you, God is not going to use us. If our hearts are not right, God will not use us. If your heart is not right, God will not use you. I told you that the purpose of this teaching is to focus our attention on the Word. we got to become focused. we got to not... That's why God gave us the 2020 vision, so that we can be focused, that we can see clearly. Don't let different things in your life and circumstances in your life and things that come up in your life and children and, and bills, and, don't let it get you all focused. Now, I'm not telling you don't be concerned about your different things that happen because you must take care of the natural things. But I'm saying don't let it get you off focus. Amen? So we have to focus on our attention on the Word. You know what? If we don't focus on that and understand what the work is, everything's going to come in our life and it's going to hinder the work of God. It's going to hinder the work of God in this ministry, and it's going to hinder the work of God in your life. You know, oftentimes it's easier to focus on the external. See, it's easier. And the reason why it's easy for us to focus on the external is because we think people can see it. So we're like, oh, you know, they see that, so I need to straighten that. But see, God is taking us further in. See, it's not so easy to focus on the internal, because see, that's quiet. Nobody hears it. Nobody sees it. Nobody hears all those wicked thoughts. But God, and those are the things that God is dealing with us about. That's what God is saying. I'm going all the way in. I know know you want to deal with the outside, but no. That's easy to deal with. Amen? Because we, we, you know, we like to say we don't like what people think, but no, you do. You do. Well, God said you do. So now deal with Him. Amen? But remember this, it doesn't matter what people see, God looks at the heart. God looks what goes on on the inside. 
And he don't care what people, what, what kind of compliments or whatever people give you everything. God say, but you know I know you right. You know, I know you like all that, but you know I know you right. He'll say that in a minute. He, would, he, need, he wants to deal with those things on the inside that can hinder the work of God and the will of God. And church, if we're honest, all of us have some things that if we don't deal with on the inside, they're going to hinder us from the work of God and they're going to hinder us from being blessed. It's going to hinder you from being blessed. Amen? So our goal is simply, I want to establish the will of God. That is, I want the church to be a, this church, to be a people and a place that God can heal the hurting, those that are hurting, a people and a place that they can come and be made whole, that they can come and they can see us, they can be in the midst of us, and they can be made whole. In our earlier lessons, we learned some, <clears throat> some things that, well, something that we first learned is how to restore our hearts because all of us have been broken in different ways, different, different situations, circumstances. But God has taught us how to restore our hearts. That is to do the hard unseen work in repairing the things in our hearts that are those things that are wrong, that have damaged our hearts over the years. Just damaged, just, just have put us in a place. And God said, okay, I want, to, I want you to deal with those things. That's that unseen work. God is saying, I want you, that unseen work. See, we can talk a good talk. I, you know, I'm not impressed with people quoting scripture and saying scripture and acting like they know God and all this stuff. Because you ain't, you ain't sitting up in here in this word. No, I'm sorry. It just sounds good. But I'm a, I, I promise you, you're not living it. It's no way you can. No way, no way, no how. No. And you'll, and, and you'll eventually find out as time go along, just quoting it won't kick it. It won't, it, 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 it won't produce. It'll just sound good to your ears, but it won't produce. Because you must be sitting in here, you must be listening, you must be growing, you must be developing, you must have fellowship. See, if you're used to fellowshipping with the wrong crowd, see, it's hard to fellowship with another kind of crowd. But see, you know what? But you've got to force yourself. You've got to say, oh, no, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. Because why? God is changing your heart. He's changing your heart. And let me tell you, what is an excuse? What did I find in Pastor Tell Us an excuse was? It's a lie you tell yourself. Nobody believes. I don't. Because God, you know why I don't? Because that's not the way God operates. No, 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 no. A lie you tell yourself, so I might as well make up an excuse. That's fine, but it's a lie. Nevertheless, amen. And we said that in order for our heart to be restored, it has to be healed. And we said to be healed, we have to do what? Forgive. Y'all got a few more this time, amen. Listen, your heart cannot be restored because the, listen, your heart is not restored because the person who damages your heart changes. Did you hear me? Your heart is not restored because the person that damages has changed. You have something to do. Are you following me? It's only going to be restored because you allow forgiveness to come 
and working your own heart. We have learned how... See, in forgiveness, you have to let things go. Let things be. Just walk away from it. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Walk away. Let it go. Or I'm telling you, your heart is hardened. You still want to mess with it. Move on. And don't allow anything to fester on the inside. Then that means also that our hearts have to be cleansed and our hearts have to be guarded. Then we learn how to change our hearts. There comes a time that you have to have. You have to have a heart change, church. You have to have a change of heart. If you do not change your heart, I promise you, it's going to be hardened. It's just going to be hard. You, it comes a time you have to change your heart. That's on you. And we said that we change our hearts through correction. And I know nobody likes correction, but sometimes we need correction. The Bible even tells us, oh yeah, it doesn't feel good at the time, but it will yield results if you take the correction, not just hear it. We have to allow the Word of God to correct us. We have to allow the Spirit that lives on the inside of us to correct us. We have to. And yes, 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 we must and we have to allow those in authority to correct us. You're not going to get around it. And we learned a valuable lesson. And, that, and, and that's this one thing. This is a valuable lesson. I hope everybody can answer this because this is something you should know. When you've been corrected, it's because what? I like that. Now that's goodness right there. That's that. If you are being corrected, no, it's because you're wrong. Just say, oh, oh God, I was wrong. And I don't care how long you've been wrong. Once you get the correction, say, God, I was wrong. I thought of it wrong. I acted wrong. I I responded wrong. I was just plain wrong, Lord. See, for example, if somebody damaged you or said something that that did, and you got all irate about it and went off about it or, or had something to say about it and went a certain way. Now that you've heard this message and God has told you, it's not about them, it's about your heart. Now I know, God, it doesn't matter about who and how it's done. I stand corrected because now you just corrected me that I don't care what they did. You must forgive. I don't care. Don't keep telling me about what they did. Because God, I say, I already know that. But I'm not dealing with them. I'm dealing with you. And I want you to forgive. That's correction. Just let it be. Leave it alone. Move on. Because you can. Amen. I know. I hate that. We all hate correction. Our children hate correction. But it's needed. Amen. Now, know this. We learned a valuable lesson that, uh, uh, that the fact that when we're corrected, we're wrong. Now, when you're corrected, it doesn't mean that you're evil. See, a lot of times, oh God, I was... Uh, it doesn't mean that you had an evil intent when you did whatever you did. It simply means that you were not in the place where you needed to be. 
you just, 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 just say, you know what, Father, I was not in the place where I needed to be when I did that. I just was not in the place. But now I know not to go back to that place. Because that is a place where you are not. So I don't, don't go back there. Are you with me? Then we said that if we're going to be prepared, we have to prepare the hard unseen work to have a heart to obey. Which means I have to have a desired, I have to desire righteousness. That's on us. I have to learn to yield my will. I have to learn to yield my ways. I have to learn to yield my plans for God's plans. That's why I keep telling you, stop doing stuff off the top of your head or what you think. Is it God's plan? And then I told you that you're going to have to learn to be a servant. I'm going to have to learn that God wants me to be able to serve others. Then we said I must learn to develop the proper attitude. The proper attitude. And then we also learn to prepare our hearts to minister. We talked about that at length. That is to minister to those not only who are lost, but people, period. Saved and unsaved. Why? Because we don't know how, when, where, or to whom God will have us to minister. Church, you don't know. You don't know when the opportunity is going to arise. So you must be ready to minister. So how do I make sure that I'm always ready to minister? First of all, I make sure my heart is right. That's first. See, because you can have all the knowledge with a wrong heart and the person is not going to receive it. Because first of all, you're not going to deliver it probably because your heart's not right. So my first deal is to make sure my heart's right. Make sure it's right before I try to minister to anybody. Listen, you cannot get your heart right to minister once you've met somebody. It has to already be right. See, we can, you can't meet somebody and God said, okay, next, you know, I want you to minister something. you like, okay, okay, let me just get rid of that. Let me, okay, now I'm ready. No, you have to already be right. Because you never know when the opportunity is going to come. So I keep my heart right because I don't know when it's going to come. It might come at the most inopportune time. But if my heart is not right, can God use me? Your heart have to be right before you meet someone that God wants you to minister to. Before that. Everybody say before. Before God wants you to minister, you have to have your heart right. It has to be right beforehand. Simply for the fact that you never know when the opportunity is going to arise. Amen. And then we learn to prepare... Uh, 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 to uh, to minister, and we have to, be, and we said to minister, we have to be motivated by love. When you're motivated by love, it makes you want to keep your heart right. It makes you say, "Oh no, no, I got to." All the time, I mean, you, I have to be right all the time. Why? Because I got to be motiva- motivated by love. It has to be motivated by love. If I'm going to minister within the body then I have to be motivated by love. Because we found out that's how God added to the church. Because they were motivated about love, by love throughout their community. And people saw that. 
and they flock to it. Amen. And then we have to, we said we have to be motivated by love through giving. Church, I'll say it now and I'll say it again. You have to prepare your heart to give or you won't. You have to prepare your heart to give. And when you give, you have to give from the heart. Not begrudgingly. We're talking about the assessment coming up. It's like, oh, again. Listen, it's like everything else. That's begrudgingly. See, if you already had your heart right and you already planned things out and you already have everything in order, it shouldn't faze you because there will always, always be a reason not to give. But if your heart is right, when that reason come up, you put it under because my heart is right. I'm going to do this. I'm not, I don't care what comes up. Why? Because I made sure I was a good steward ever before this came up to make sure nothing interferes with that. See, you don't spend everything you have and then something come up and then you want to pinch off of that. No, 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 no. You make sure before, six months before, Three months before it's time to do assessment, I'm already making sure I put something back just in case anything come up. Nothing's going to disturb what God has called me to do. And you still have to give in every other area as well. Well, that's like giving everything. No, it's not. It's just like everything you do in your house. Everything is a budget and how you prepare You'll find, I'm going to tell you this. You will find out that when you are consistent doing the will of God, you'll find out, no, God didn't increase my money, but why is it that I'm living better now than when I worked overtime and when I did this? Why is it that I'm doing better? Because God will take just what you have. He's not, well, God's going to add to me. No, He'll take just what you have. And you'll be like, how do I still have money uh, because you've changed, you started becoming a, a better steward and you obeying God and God is leading and guiding you and you're not just an impulse spender. You got that off of your chest. Impulse spender, you get that off your chest. I'm going to tell you, you have all kind of money. You'll have all kind of money. Or, and you'll be like, oh my God, was I blowing money like that? I can't believe it. Now, I'm going to tell you, in this ministry, Sister, Sister, Sister Stinson is not an impulse spender. She can hold a purse and pat it. Nope, not doing none of that. It's right here. Ain't going to do nothing with that. And then she'll help everybody else spending money, find what they want, still hold her purse. I'm not spending nothing. And I'm like, that's a good deal right there. Just, just, uh, you can learn from her. You can learn. Now I'm like, she's like, uh-uh, I'm going to spend what I'm going to spend, and that's that, and, and then I'm going to walk on off and say, now what you looking for so I can help you find it? Oh, no, I'm not helping you pay for it. I'm going to help you find it because I'm, I'm not in post and, and and if I have something laid out the way I want it, I don't, I don't, not even a penny, not even a dollar of it. You know how you can say, well, I know this is that and I got this much, but oh, no, well, okay, I'm just going to do $2 off of it because I just need this and everything. It's just $2. No, that's the principle of the thing. No, not if, if you're saving for it, I don't care if you need, you don't even touch it for a dollar. You leave it alone. You just leave it alone. I know, that takes prayer and fasting. This comes out by praying and fasting. 
I know. You're like, oh, Lord, but I'm just going to go on. No. Trying to teach you something. Amen. And then you'll find out, oh, it wasn't that. Then when you find out you have more than you, more than enough with what you've always had, the same amount you've been making, then God will increase you. Amen. Oh, let me see where. Then the last lesson we looked at, we were having a heart to restore the lost. We said that there are people who are hurting, searching, searching. They're looking for answers. There are people that may be doing some things that are evil, but they are not evil. They're just out of place. Know that. There are people out there who are, who are, you know, who have great value to God and to us. It doesn't look like it on the outside, but God is not requiring us to look on the outside. God is saying, nope, they're here. they have great value to me, and they should have great value to you. They're just not operating in that value. Why? Because they're lost. So because they're not operating in that value, doesn't mean that they're not valuable. Are you following me? Now... In every one of our families, we all know this, we have people that are lost. There's not a family in here that don't have somebody in their family that are lost. They're not in place. They're not where they ought to be. We understand that. It's a truth. So we have to stop saying what we don't have in our family and who's not walking in our family and, and no men in our family, no, 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 no uh, marriages that work in our family, no this, that, and the other. But no, they're there. They're just out of place. They're there. All of it's there. There's nobody, nobody in my family was faithful. No man and no woman. And so I don't know how hard. No, they're there. They're just out of place. It's not the problem. It's not that they don't exist. They do exist. They're just not in place where they need to be. That's why you need to be in place so you can help them get there. Amen. And then God is trying to give us a heart as a church to restore those who are lost and who are out of place. That's why God needs us to be in place so that when those come in that are out of place, we can help. Why? We have the answer. We have the answer. The answer is our standard. And our standard is Jesus. Every answer is in Him. And then we learned there were four things that we had to do. We learned that if we're going to have a heart, we must go through the gates. That is, we have to leave our place of comfort and complacency. Not only do we have to go get outside of the walls of this church, but we have to get outside the walls of ourselves, walls that we have built up. You know, you can build up walls. You can decide that only in your circle, that the only, the, the only, the only thing people's gonna be in your circle is the one that's inside my walls. Listen. The only the one. Only the one that's inside my walls. That's it. Cause see, some people can not look like the type of person that you want inside your walls. Or, the, or, or may not look like the person that you want to minister to. It might not be a person that's of your race. And you say, mm, well, i leave that to somebody else to minister to. Maybe they're not in your age group. Say, oh, well, we just need a younger person to talk to them. Or we need an older person to talk to them. I, I don't want to deal with them. 
Because they But what God wants us to go through the gates, get outside of all of those kind of things. Then once we said that, then we said we have to cast up a highway. That is, we have to make a way. Make a way. And we understand that Jesus is the way, but we got to make a way to the way. We understand Jesus is the way. And that's what people need to know. But we got to make sure that we make a way for people to get to the way. Then we said we have to gather out the stones. That is, we have to do the hard work of getting those thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs that are inside of us out. Getting those, see, that's, that, that, all of that is gathering out the stones. Getting those thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs that are on the inside of us out. Because all of us, everybody say all of us, have thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs. And we don't want to deal with them. And we must. Why? Because if we have different thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs, it will cause us to neglect, mistreat, and ignore those that God loves. We talked about that. All of us have some thoughts, some attitudes. And let me tell you one that we didn't deal with, and I just want to say, because of the season that we're in, we have to deal with our political persuasions. You know why? Because what does a political persuasion have to do with heaven? Now, let me, let me, let me, let me clear that up because I don't want anybody to go out here thinking. Now, it's important because our founding pastor, and you should too, you should always keep up with what's going on. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't know what's going on and, and what, you know, what, how to vote and all that. And you should vote. You should vote. Early voting was just a week ago. And all of that is important. But what does political, what does it have to do with heaven? Our political persuasion. What does it have to do with heaven? And see, and, 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 and the thing about it is, 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 Right now, in this country, and maybe even in this church, or at the church at large, maybe not in our particular church, but in the church at large, we are divided politically. We are greatly divided. Some of us won't even witness Jesus to somebody. See, I'm telling you how greatly divided we are. We won't even witness Jesus to who we think is an elephant or a donkey. And we're not either. We just won't do it. Listen. And then we go as far to try to figure out who that person voted for. Who did they vote for? And then decide, based on who they voted for, whether or not you're going to have a relationship with them. See, we're divided. So we have to gather out the stones. See, they do not believe. Gather out the stones. You know why? Because God didn't call us to be Democrat or Republican. God didn't call us for that. God didn't call us to be pro-life or anti-life. 
God didn't call us to join the NRA or to leave it. God called us to be Christians. So we don't get caught up and make it a persuasion where we can't follow God. We can't follow what God, we can't even hear what God is telling us to do. And some of us have gotten so wound up into this political following that, that, you know, our hearts are not right to even minister to people. That's not good. Because I'm telling you, one thing that I noticed in, 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 in Pastor Hill, he always, he kept up with everything. I don't, now I'm going to tell you right now, I don't keep up with everything like he did. He kept, he kept up with everything. He, he researched, he kept, you know, he, he made sure he was on top of it. Because he was like, no, the congregation needs to know this, and I want to make sure that they ain't falling off on this, that, and the other, and, and everything. So I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to keep up with that for yourself now. I, 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 straight up. He was, you know, that, that was him, and that's the way he was. But that's not me. I'm Mr. Sale trying to find out what, what, what? Uh-uh. You, you find out where you, the way you need to go. But listen, listen. <laughs> I have to just laugh about it because he was adamant about that. And he would be like, oh, this, that, and the other, and watching this and that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Amen. But anyway. But we cannot get so caught up that if a person that we think is not a Democrat or a Republican, well, I ain't got time to minister. Let, let them Republicans remember, uh, uh, minister to them. Let the Democrats remember, uh, minister to them. I, you know, what? I was going to minister to them. Oh, no. Anybody vote for him? Oh, Lord, no. Uh-uh. You can't know Jesus. You know, we, well, see, that, that's all that political divide that we're in. Because I thought that. But God said, that's a political divide. You know. And then God is, uh, God is requiring us to, uh, us to lift up a standard, and our standard is Jesus. Amen. We have to lift him up. Now go with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 6. And subtitle this teaching, A Heart to Restore My Brother or My Sister. A Heart to Restore My Brother my sister. Are you in Galatians chapter 6? Subtitling this, A Heart to Restore My Brother and My Sister. God wants us to be a people and a place that He can use to heal the hurting. And oftentimes, the hurting is our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen. And sometimes the church is more inclined to restore and to minister to those that are lost than those that are saved. But hurting. And we have to have a heart to restore our brothers and our sisters. Listen, if we're going to restore this generation, and we know we have a generation of young men and young women that are hurting, who are struggling, they're going through challenges and difficulties. I get it. And we have to get it. They, I, listen, they show you what they want to, but they're going through struggles. Because God said it, not because I said it. I don't live with them. I'm just saying what God, they're going through challenges. They're going through those things. Amen? 
And if we're going to have a heart to restore this generation, listen, we can't do that if we don't have a heart first to restore our brothers and sisters within the body. Start there. Because those young men and young women who are struggling and hurting, many of them are our brothers and sisters. Know that. They are our brothers and sisters. Many of them grew up in this church. They grew, some grew up in church and some have grew up in this church. They know who God is. They have accepted Jesus into their heart. And their lives, they have, they have did that. But they are in a state in their lives right now. And they are hurting. They love God. They have accepted Him. But they're going through right now. And God wants us to be involved in healing. In the healing of those who are hurting. Church, when I talk about brothers and sisters, I'm going to give you a simple definition. I want you to write down who the brothers and sisters are. I'm talking about those who are born again, but have been overtaken in a fault. That have been born again. A brother and sister that have been, that's born again, but have been overtaken in a fault. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? When I say overtaken, I mean they have been, they are stalled, left behind, or left aside. I'll say it again. When I say they've been overtaken in the fault, I mean that they have been stalled, left behind, or left aside. To be overtaken means to be stalled. To be stalled. You're just stalled. You can't move. You're stalled. And all of us have had times in our lives where we have, we have stalled out. Every one of us. That way we just stalled out. We were moving, we were growing, and something happened. And it caused us to get stuck and stalled in a place. Right where you are, you just stuck and stalled. Right where you are. He was like... What is it? What happens is when you get stalled or stuck in a place where you can get left, that, in that place you can get left behind or left aside. You know why? Because everybody else keeps moving. See, you might feel like, uh, well, no, they're still moving. They keep moving. But you... You get stuck and stalled in the place where you are. Grab this. Because remember we talk about brothers and sisters that are in trouble. Those that have been overtaken in a fault. See, there are tens of thousands, many of people, listen, that are going to heaven. But they are stalled here on earth. There's many in this congregation that you're going to heaven, but you are stalled here on earth. Just kind of there. You're not moving. You're not making progress. And God is still moving. And the church is still moving. But as a result of it, because God is still moving and the church is still moving, you feel left behind or left aside. 
But it's because you stalled. Because you've been overtaken in a fault. But you're still our sister and brother. And remember what the subtitle is. How to restore. God is calling us as a church to be a place and a people that God can use to heal the hurting. Now, the word fault, in overtaken in the fault, that word fault means as sin, an offense. It can be an error or a lapse of judgment. Mm. Fault. A sin, an offense. It can be an error or a lapse of judgment. Now, watch this. No one in here, not one person in here, is without fault. Including me. Why? Because the Bible said all have sinned. All of us at some point in our lives have done something that was an offense to God. Whether you think it was big or small, it was an offense to God. Nobody in here have a 100% score in life. Nobody has a 100%. No one have a report card of life that can have all hundreds on it. Now you children, come on, I made all late. You don't have that in this. Not one person. Because all of us have, all of us have made some errors. Every one of us. Now, if you think that you have a 100% score in life, please move away from whoever's sitting next to you so when the lightning hits, they won't get burned because you are lying. You are lying. You don't want, I don't need nobody else burning up because you're lying. There's no one in here that have hundreds. Straight across. I'm just doing so well. All hundreds. All hundreds. No. All of us, every one of us, have had lapse of judgment. Just lapse in our judgment. But sometimes when those things happen, it can stall a person. It can stall a person. Just stop them. And then they begin to feel left behind or left aside. Now here in Galatians chapter 6, this is, this is a seldom taught scripture. And, you, and, and I get it. Why? Because people don't like to deal with this scripture. And one of the reasons is because this scripture causes you to do what you learned last Sunday. Live outside your own interests. <laughs> we like, oh Lord. Verse 1, chapter 6. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, that is a sin, an offense, an error, or a lapse of judgment, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thy also be tempted. Hmm. Now, again, we don't like to deal with this scripture. Because a lot of times we don't like to see 
restore such a one. Hmm. Because when we see restore such a one, we interpret in our heads as saying, put them back where they were. And that's not what it's saying. See, that's why we'd be like, what? No, it's not saying put them back where they were. But we'll say to ourselves, mm, after what they did, they never going to do nothing in this ministry. They never going to be back. They never be a ministry head here. They'll never do this. They'll never do this. They'll never do that. That's not what that scripture is saying either. The other thing we don't like in this verse where it says, in the spirit of meekness. <laughs> now watch this. See, if you don't like verse 1, you really don't like verse 2. Because it says, bear ye one another's burdens. I'm just going to stop right there. Like, what? Oh, Lord, Jesus. Bear ye one another's burdens. And the reason why we don't like that, because when somebody have a burden, or something has happened, or they stalled, or they come forth, we want to say, mm-hmm, my name is Ben and I ain't in it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. When he's saying, bear one another burden. And then we'll have somebody else come up, well, my name is Wes. I ain't in that mess. You know, you, we, know we just want to say something fashionable, say something. But in other words, I don't want to deal with, they messed up, let them deal with it alone. And God said, bear one another's burdens. See, we like to say, that's not my problem, that's their problem. Look at verse 3. If a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own works, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Church, the Bible is telling us when somebody is overtaken in a fault, we have a responsibility to restore them. But now you need to know what that means because most people don't. Some, most people will get all outside of their lane and, and you're not restoring. What you're doing is you're, you're weakening them. You have to do it God's way. You have to do it God's way. Now, before I give some points, I want to make sure to make this clear. I want to make clear some things. When a person has been overtaken in a fault, there's something they have to do, and then there's something we have to do. Everybody have their part. You can't do for them what they need to do. Because you have a part to do. And if you're busy doing what they're supposed to be doing, you're going to miss what you're supposed to do. And now you're out of order, out of your lane, and all it, it won't work. I said, when a person is overtaken in a fault, there's something they have to do, and there's something we have to do. See, you can't take this scripture and don't look at it in light of other scriptures. In light of everything else that God is talking about in the, what the Bible teaches. Otherwise, you might read this and say, you know, 
when somebody messed up, oh God, I got to fix what they did. No, that's not what that scripture is saying. See, that's why we don't want to deal with it. When it says bear one another bur- another's burden, doesn't mean you got to fix their problem. You can't. That's not your place. They have something to do and you have something to do. Know the difference. Know the difference. Because all of us have been overtaken and afforded some time or another. See, we look pretty good now. But all of us have been overtaken at one point or time with the fault. All of us can and have missed God. And all of us can find ourselves in this state stalled. All of us. And if you're in here this morning and your life has been stalled, if you feel like you, you know you've been left behind because of the things that you've done, the fault that you've made, there's still something you have to do. There's something you have to do. First of all, if I am overtaken in the fault, first thing I have to do, I have to humble myself. Humble myself. I have to make sure that I am humble. I must submit myself back to the authority of God. That's your part. Nobody can do that for you. I must make sure that I humble and get myself back into the position where I need to be. That's your job. You have been overtaken in a fault. Now I must get myself back up under the authority of God. I must be humble. You know why? Because when I'm overtaken with a fault, usually the root of that is my pride got me somewhere where God wasn't. I do it all. See, that's pride. No, no, I can do well, hey, you know, whatever. I'ma do without that's pride. And and it, it takes you right where God is not every time. You don't feel the movement, but I'm telling you it just moves you right where God is not. And here comes your fault. Because in that place where God is not, you will do anything. Anything. That you wouldn't do if you was under God's authority. And I don't care if you call yourself saved. And you, let me tell you, if you're having sex outside of marriage, I don't care how much you come to church. How much you say, you're out of the place where God is. Coming in this building don't make you right. You were out of place. You were out of place. You were where God was not. See, own that. See, you got to own that in order to change. You got to own that if you won't change. 
You got to own that if you want to come out of being stalled and left behind and left aside. You got to own that first. That I have been in a place where God is not and was not. And in that place, it's very easy to be overtaken in a fault. That's all that's in, that's all that's in that place is fault. Nothing holy, nothing righteous about it. I don't care if you intend to marry him. Nothing holy and righteous about it. And it's a payoff once you're married. Because you were in a place where God was not. And you made decisions where God was not. Now, don't get offended right now. Grab it. Don't let the devil steal it from you as soon as you get it. Because I'm telling you, remember what I told you before. He don't mind you hearing it. He don't mind you saying amen. He don't mind you doing it. He just don't want it to get in your heart. Because if it gets in your heart, you're going to change. And he's going to do everything to make that change. Everything right now to let, just don't let it get in their heart. I don't care that they, you know, but I got to do everything once this stops to do, to make sure it just don't sink in their heart. Because if it sinks in their heart, they're going to change. And I'm going to be defeated. And I'm going to be, I'm, they're going to smash my head. Why? Because they got it down in their heart. And when you get in your heart, you change. You change. So you first tell yourself, I've been overtaken in this fault. I humble myself. I get back up under the authority of God. Amen. I understand I was in a place where God was not. Amen? So you have to humble yourself and submit to God. And you have to come back to church. It's a must. If you've been overtaken in a fault, see, our inclination is when we're overtaken with the fault is to run. run let, let me run from my source. Let me run from my help. Let me do everything but what I'm supposed to. Listen, Adam did it. And we're all his children. You're just following after his pattern. And let me tell you, I don't care where you try to run. Where can you go that God's not? God will find you. You run into somebody and say, oh, God, she sounds like Pastor Hill. Oh, God, God. Where can you go? Oh, God, she sounds like all the ministers at our church. He sounds like all the ministers at church. Yeah, God knows what he's doing. Adam hid himself. He tried to hide. But the first thing that you have to do is humble yourself to God. Now watch this. Humbling myself to God means, listen, listen, so you know what humbling means. Humbling myself before God means that I will be embarrassed in front of men. But it doesn't matter. But it doesn't. Did you hear me? Humbling myself when I've been overtaken in the fault is the number one thing is you're going to be embarrassed before men. But it doesn't matter. 
because it's not about that. It's not about what somebody thinks about you. It's about what God thinks about you. You better get that in your head. I have to get right with God. I've been overtaken in a fault. I'm wrong. And not only do I need to humble myself, I have to repent. You have to do that. You have to repent. What do you mean? I have to acknowledge my error. I got to consider my ways. And then I have to turn around. Say, oh God, I have just been all out of order, out of line. See, if you stall, you can't just stay there. Don't just stay there. You, how do I make sure I don't stay there? Turn around. Turn around. If I have been overtaken in a fault, I have to move forward. I cannot just stay in that state. That's your job. That's your, what you do, those that are overtaken in a fault. I haven't talked about the, the, the ones where we have to do. I'm talking about if you've been overtaken in the fall, I'm just talking about that right now. What you have to do is something you have to do. I can't stay in that state. I got to move forward. Now, what do we have to do for the person who have humbled themselves and repented? And they're trying to move forward. It is our job to have a heart to restore them. That's our job. Now I'm coming to what we have to do. Our job is to make sure our hearts are right so they can be healed. They're hurting. We got to make sure that we're there to repair the, to help them repair the damage and rebuild, re, uh, rebuild what has been broken. Because once you're overtaken in the fault, there is broken. You are. Let me tell you, everything about you is broken, whether you know it or not. So we want to help them to and prepare that person to be what God has called them to be. Give them back orders. Help them to get back in the place where they need to be. Where they ought to be in their life. We are, that's what God is saying. That's what I'm calling you all to. I'm not calling you to judge anything. I'm calling you to help restore them. I do that by strengthening them in areas they are weak. Find out where they're weak. Strengthen them there. Then, over time, everybody say over time. Everybody say over time. Putting them back in a position where God can use them again. Now, it may not be the same position that they were in.
Just because you were overtaken in a fault and you closed off one thing because of your fault, it doesn't mean that God can't use them in, 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 in something else, in another way. You know, I learned that from my pastor. All the way up into his transition, he would talk to me about different things I didn't want to let go. And he said, Al, this, I need you doing this, I need you doing that. And I'm telling you, just taking on his persona, it freed me. I'm like, oh my God. It's like God transferred that on me. And I was like, oh God, this is what he's just, he would always know. You know, he was so, so forgiving. And, you know, and I would want to hold on, and I'd be like, oh, no, oh, no, no, he's no ma'am. No ma'am. I'm going to need you to be here. I'm going to need you to do this. And let me tell you, I don't care. I'm going to tell you, my husband loved me. I don't believe there's a man in here that loved their wife the way my husband loved me. But I'm going to tell you one thing. He would not play into none of my foolishness. He would not do it. He would not do it. He would straighten me out and anything. He would not. He'd be like, nope, that's not it. He would not. Let me tell you, men, and I put this on my Facebook page, so I'm just going to give it to you all. If you men, I'm talking to you men now, if you ever want God to be angry with you and messed up with you, give your strength to a woman. You're a fool. If you want God to be angry with you, give your strength to a woman. God expects you to be strong. He expects you to be the man. You don't give your strength to a woman. And let me tell you, you well, Pastor Hill told y'all many a times when he said no to me, and that was the strain, and that, that was years and years and years ago. You better know when to say no. If you don't, you have given your strength to a woman. And God is not pleased. That was a freebie. And I'm not talking about not honoring a woman and honoring your wife and being loving to your wife because my husband was every bit of that to me. He knew, he knew just where I was. He knew where, where to go with this, that, and the other. And he'll be like, Al, I need you to talk to so-and-so. I need you to do this and I need you to do that. Anything that he thought I was struggling in, he would give me an assignment to do that because he was breaking that and broke it. I'm telling you, don't do it. If you ever want God to be unpleased with you, men, do that. But what does that mean? That means you do anything that she's saying, anything she wants. She don't want to come to church, you ain't going to church. You done gave your heart away. She don't want to do this. She don't want to do, I don't, you know, I don't want to respect your parents. You don't respect them. I don't want to do this. You, don't, you, don't, you, have, no, you have no say so in nothing. And guess what? Those type of women, they'll make you think you have a little say. So give you a little space. You think you done done something. No, no, no. You been and gave your heart away. They're going to tell you just what they want you to do. And you're going to do it. Now, it doesn't mean that you, your wife can't tell you something. You know what? You ought to know the kind of woman you married. My husband trusted me safely. You ought to know if a woman is, is, is doing things out of because they want to run everything or because they're trying to better the family. 
Listen, don't do it. That's all I can say. Don't do it. And here's the thing. What I have to do, if I'm overtaken in a fault, what I think I'm up too far, where am I? Y'all got me all off. Okay. Oh, dear. And then when he says, and over time, put them back in a position. Not necessarily the position they were in. See, you don't have to, you don't have to go back to, to prove that you, uh, you know, that, that you've forgiven them and you so everything is going back to normal. No. It, it doesn't mean all of that. Now listen to me. When a person under themselves repents repent and desires to move forward, we as a church cannot make it more difficult than it already is. Write it down. When someone listen, are humble, repented, and desires to move forward, we as a church cannot make it more difficult than it already is. You know why? Because it's hard to humble yourself. It's hard. It's hard to get right with God. You know why? Because to get right with God when you're in fault, it means that it's going to expose you to be to be to embarrassment. See, you can't humble yourself before God without feeling embarrassed before men. They go hand in hand. I'm sorry, you're the one we're overtaking in the fault. Did you hear me? You cannot. It is what it, it goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. I'm going to say it again. You cannot. We're only going to move you forward when you know you've repented, humbled yourself, moving forward. We're not. This church, us as a people, we cannot make it more difficult than that because it is difficult. It is difficult when a person has been overtaken in the fall. It is difficult for them. Because why? They have been exposed to embarrassment. Listen. If you can't humble yourself before God without feeling embarrassment before man, you're going to be in trouble. You've got to humble yourself and say, you know what, yeah, I am embarrassed. They go hand in hand. That's all a part of the fault. Because when you humble yourself before God, this is, this, this is why the embarrassment comes when you humble yourself before God. And, and, and because once you humble yourself before God, and the embarrassment comes before man, it's because now everybody have a clue that you missed it. When they look at you, that's what they have a clue of. And it is what it is. But that's not what you're focusing on. You're focusing on the fact that I'm getting right with God. Because you're not going to stop people from thinking anything. Yes, when that went, yes, when people look at you, they look at you like you blew it. And it's okay. You did. You was overtaken in a fault. Fault. 
But I have God and I want to move forward and I've repented and I'm humbling myself under the authority of God and nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to sit my tail down and I'm going to get this thing. I'm going to push through. And yes, I might be embarrassed. But guess what? When you stay with God, the embarrassment is going to roll off. Then you're going to be replaced. God is going to use you some other way. He's going to raise you up. But if you come in with an arrogant attitude, like it's okay when I'm done and I'm walking around, the, oh no, you have not repented and humbled yourself. Go look up humble. And I'm out of time, but God is not. Got to come back tonight to get that. I love that. I love the night crowd. God always stops and leaves us on a cliffhanger. Ah! Come back tonight. And if you don't, oh well. You'll be in that overtaken with a fall. We'll be here. Because you got to get the answers. The answers are here. Everything. Don't let, let me tell you. There are churches this morning that's packed with thousands. But they didn't get this word. <laughs> they don't get the kind of words you get. You better be thankful. I'm telling you. Don't let these chairs. Let me tell you. You know why these chairs are empty? Because people don't want truth. They want a lie. So they must not come here. Because you're going to get truth. <laughs> you're going to get truth no matter what. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.